Canada Conversations is brought to you by Deloitte Canada, helping you navigate the complex challenges your company faces through recovery and enabling you to thrive in the new normal. To learn more, visit Deloitte.ca. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the July 17th, 2020 episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. I'm your host, Greg Layson, the digital and mobile editor here at Automotive News Canada. It's a first on the show today. We'll have not one, but two guests join me in conversation, and they are the authors of a new report by Deloitte that examines the current and possible lingering effects of the novel coronavirus pandemic on the auto industry. They'll tell us how the report, entitled The Impact of COVID-19 Scenarios for Auto Retailers and Lenders, came together. They also have some advice for dealers and lenders. They'll identify some opportunities ahead and note which pitfalls they should avoid. We'll hear all about it when I speak with Andrew Hammer and Denizen Euchre on this episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. But before we begin, just a quick note that there were some technical issues during this week's recording that you might notice as you listen. Just know it's not your device. Gentlemen, thanks for joining me on the show today. Thank you very much for having us. My pleasure. Thanks for having us, Greg. It's a pleasure. It's great that you could join us. Deloitte recently released a report, one you both helped write, uh, called Canadian Auto Industry Perspective, the Impact of COVID-19 Scenarios for Auto Retailers and Lenders. Tell me how and why this came together. We do a lot of our work with with uh, the financial institutions and, and lenders in this space. And then because of the indirect nature of automotive lending, it's impossible to consider the future of lending without considering how consumers buy. Right? The, the, the metal and the loan are an extra blue linked. No one goes into a dealership aspiring to get a loan. They want to get a car to move around in. Uh, and so, um, I mean, really this came together because we focus on serving lenders. And in this moment through the, through the pandemic, uh, we saw a really interesting inflection point. We saw the, the intersection of some emerging trends on digitization that have been happening for, for years at, at a slow pace, um, being met by the pandemic where, you know, in that intervening period, many stakeholders were forced to do things, uh, in ways that we'd never, we'd never done before. And so for us, we thought it a, uh, a good time to to update our perspective on the industry and, and share our view on on scenarios for what what lays ahead. You mentioned digitization, so let's jump there. Um, you say consumers will be conditioned uh, to be a bit more comfortable with using digital tools uh, across the entire vehicle buying process and the financing process, basically because well they've been forced to buy or at the very least order just about everything online for the past four months. How do you see this trend affecting dealers and lenders and the financing of vehicles? It's a great question, Greg. So just as you said, uh, consumers have been in some ways uh, required to become comfortable with digital tools uh, when shopping for cars uh, at the drop of a dime. Based on some of the past research we have done just on consumer sentiment, Canadians typically tended to be less open to end-to-end digital car shopping than some of their peers south of the border uh, or in Europe, for example. So even though folks are willing to use the internet to search for cars, look up information, they weren't necessarily as open to buying a car online as some of their peers uh, elsewhere in the world. And we see this sort of as a, as a turning point for that. 
you know, before the pandemic, our research suggested around 43% of Canadians, 18 to 35, were willing to buy a car online. And we see that uh, number going up dramatically. And so that necessarily means that the way folks are going to be engaging in the auto retailing journey is going to look quite different. And we don't mean to say that uh, consumers are going to all of a sudden shift to buying their cars all online. What that really means is at each point in the shopping journey, customers are going to want to use a digital tool. So it's going to become table stakes for all stakeholders, whether they are, whether the OEs, the dealers, or the lenders, or anyone else, to have uh, digital customer-facing tools and support available and to make the journey as seamless and as fast and contactless as possible if the customer, uh, customer wants to, to go through the journey like that. And certainly on the supply side, a lot of dealerships, OEs, and lenders have adopted these digital tools almost in an improvised manner just because they had to for the pandemic. And the regulators like Omnic had started to uh, enable things like e-signatures to be permitted. So we see a lot of a lot of movement quite rapidly uh, in this space that we haven't seen for the past two or three years. So at the dead end of the day, we think investing in these type of journeys is going to become table stakes. And indeed, figuring out the way all of the different players I've listed work together and share data and create a seamless experience for the customer is going to become critical moving forward. Do you have an idea why Canada or Canadians were sort of behind the curve on this? Um, I'm just curious. You mentioned it. It was, I think you said 43%, um, but we weren't quite as adapted or, or adept at um, buying online as some of the other parts of the world are. Is there a reason for that? Was it the technology here? Was it apprehension on the customer's part? I just wonder why we were a little bit behind the curve. We tend in Canada to lag other markets with uh, financial service digitization. So, so mortgage is a good analog. So if we look at how digital mortgage, residential mortgage lending has evolved in Canada versus the U.S., the same trend presents itself, though uh, the Canadian mortgage market is probably uh, five years ahead of where, if not more, than where auto lending um, market is. Uh, so a general a general view. Uh, also, I would argue that there is, uh, I'll, I'll use the term supply constraints. So in the U.S., there have been for a few years now um, more options to buy digitally and a few bright examples uh, of, of success and, and some examples of models that haven't worked as well. But certainly there have been more uh, attempts to create digital challenger models in the U.S. So therefore, greater opportunity uh, for prospective buyers to uh, to adopt the digital way of doing things versus in, in this country where I, I'd argue we're, we're quite nascent. Like there are still precious few uh, ways that a consumer, outside of a few key badges, um, for a consumer to buy a car um, through a predominantly digital buying process. You aren't the only one at Deloitte to have forecasted that consumers will delay larger purchases, including vehicles, obviously. Um, causing maybe a protracted period of lower demand in auto sales. Um, now that we've seen the reopening of Ontario, perhaps a little more click- quickly than we thought, and the country it's the country's biggest market, um, and we've seen improving new vehicle sales over the last few months. Obviously, they're down compared to last year, but they aren't as bad as a lot of people expected. Um, have your thoughts changed at all on the amount of demand there currently is there and what we might see in terms of demand in the fall and winter this year? 
So in a word, no. And, and um, that deserves a broader explanation. It's a great question. It's one that we've been discussing with our clients. So, so neither Denny nor I are economists. So let me first provide a view uh, from our chief economist, Craig Alexander. We'll use that as a backdrop, and then Denny sure. can share some more specific observations. So, so first, as measured by real GDP growth, we are in the midst of the greatest recession since the Great Depression. That is measurable. It is, it is fact. This is going to play out differently by province. So you know, our view as of early June is uh, provinces with greater energy sector concentrations will experience sharper contractions, whereas we'd expect Ontario, BC, Quebec to have uh, comparatively faster recoveries. Um, by and large, the key economic legacy of COVID will be debt, job losses, and reduced hours, which will hit household incomes and create more indebted consumers. So that that is a macro point that is, uh, I think, defendable and, and widely widely accepted. So if we take this long view, we can then we can then look at uh, the interest ratio. So um, it's similar to debt to income, but the interest ratio is flow to flow, not stock to flow. So it considers the relationship between total principal and interest obligations of a household and disposable income, and we expect that that ratio to jump with the income shock that's coming. And, and therefore, this large accumulation of debt, is, it's going to be a headwind that will support this notion of deferring large purchases, particularly where those purchases require leverage. And so that real, earlier in this spring, we stood at just shy of 15% with the, with the uh, interest ratio, which is hovering near the peak we've observed at any point in the last two, two decades. So and from a macro view, that's our backdrop. So we, we stand by the bigger point, even though you know, we've seen strong results on reopening. And I'll let Denny comment on that. Yeah, I think what we've observed and what our clients are telling us uh, uh, mirrors what you mentioned, Greg, and what other folks are observing in the market, that June was really a bumper month, that dealerships and dealer salespeople were as busy as they've ever been. Um, and things are looking quite optimistic, and you know everyone's quite happy about that. That being said, the Auto sales in June, uh, a lot of folks are attributing some of that uh, return to pent-up demand. You know, March and April were months that were quite down year over year in terms of sale, and folks who uh, were you know, very ready to buy a new car or in dire need uh, of a new car or just had um, you know, money burning in their wallets, so to speak, uh, those were the folks that... Uh, came back quite quite quickly once dealerships reopened. And June was still down year over year by quite a significant margin. And so while there is pent-up demand, it's yet to be seen what the magnitude of that pent-up demand is and how long it will last going forward. And a lot of the affordability concerns that Andrew mentioned are uh, effects that will take place over the next 6 to 12 months and even longer. Uh, Post-2008, it took almost... Uh, four years for auto sales to return back to their peak before the last global financial crisis. And so what we're really focused on is uh, figuring out what the right way to predict and advise customers on their affordability is going to be. And so dealers and salespeople might find it more difficult when customers walk in the door to be able to convince uh, a buyer on the margin that the car is right for them. Customers oftentimes in economic situations like this tend to trade down to cheaper vehicles and smaller vehicles uh, and may trade off a new vehicle and instead focus on a used car, for example. Uh, and, you know, certainly on the OEM side, uh, 
there's supply chain struggles that are well documented and once supply chains have been shut down and uh new cars aren't rolling off the lots uh opening those up again isn't isn't as simple as hitting the on switch and it's a complicated calculation of what cars are we going to sell uh where are we going to sell them so it is a it is a difficult uh and uncertain environment to project forward and that's one where while there is cause for optimism, one of the things we advocate is that we you know, think about what the future may or may not look like and use some scenario planning methodology like we did in our in our paper to figure out what our real customer needs uh, across different potential futures and how can we best serve them, whether an OEM, a lender, a dealer, or whoever else in the ecosystem. We'll hear more from Andrew and Dennison after this short break. The COVID-19 pandemic has had an unprecedented impact on the world's population and economy. Social distancing and self-isolation measures have taken consumers out of the auto retail market, while concern over worker safety continues in manufacturing facilities globally. An increasingly distressed supply base is facing the potential for large-scale liquidity issues, which may lead to increased M&A activity throughout the ecosystem. Significant uncertainty remains around the permanence of current consumer behaviors and the extent to which they will be able to re-engage with the sector. Through Deloitte's State of the Consumer Tracker series, we discuss timely data and trends and highlight key consumer insights. We also explore how behavioral preferences take shape over time to allow businesses to make strategic decisions in this dynamic market environment. The ongoing survey results are also available via an interactive dashboard, the Deloitte Global State of the Consumer Tracker. Check in every two weeks to explore new consumer insights and emergent trends. Welcome back to the show, where we're joined by Deloitte's Andrew Hammer and Dennison Euchre, authors of The Impact of COVID-19, Scenarios for Auto Retailers and Lenders. You mentioned used. Um, it was a great segue into my next question, because in the report, you say there, there will be a glut of used cars post-pandemic. Um, consumers will be returning leases that they haven't been able to return during the lockdown and stay-at-home orders. How should dealers and lenders be preparing for the used car market in the short term? I think the headline here is, is continued uncertainty. Uh, I think what we've what we've observed in the past is that the impact on used car markets of an economic downturn like this uh, does tend to lag the actual uh, the actual downturn. And in fact, there's just some structural reasons why this pandemic has forced the uh, used car market to move a bit more slowly. I think BlackRock this week was talking about how uh, lease returns are still delayed in many cases. Uh, trade-ins are lower than they've been in the past. Repossessions are slow and many auction houses are still not uh, are still not back up and running yet. And so the full impact on the supply side of used cars hasn't yet been seen uh, and is likely to emerge for both the next six months. And we know from our experience uh, in 2008 that some of those effects do tend to lag. And so we think there's as cautious optimism as always, but there's some things dealers and OEMs and lenders can do to effectively manage that uncertainty. Uh, you know, take better use of data um, to create more accurate and more responsive auto valuation models, be more responsive with pricing uh, and use, you know, the direct advice you give to customers as ways to manage some of that capital risk, that liquidity risk. Uh, and as well, OEMs and dealers have a lot of tools on their hand to optimize their inventory, uh, whether it's continuing to in- incentivize lease extensions, engage in inventory swaps, and some other things. But all of that is predicated on having a view of 
what the future might look like and what you might need in the best case versus the worst case scenario. And that's why we like to use a scenario view, not to just be reactive, but be proactive. So that's the advice. I, I wonder if either of you could tell me what is the biggest mistake dealers and lenders could make right now? What's the thing or things they should avoid um, in the current situation? I think the worst thing that um, a dealer or a lender could do right now is use this moment as rationale to avoid the secular digitization trend we see in the automotive buying journey. Uh, believing this initial and positive vehicle sale data which predominantly represents the traditional buying process and store-based distribution model. So believing that this is evidence against the case for digital transformation of the buying journey, I think that is the single biggest error right, that can be that can be made. Is that the biggest opportunity? I mean, when we enter into these sort of events of this magnitude, they present opportunity. There's no question about that. Um and it could be just an opportunity to change the way you do things. Is that the biggest opportunity in this global crisis right now? Is the chance to become more digitized and do more things online? So I think it's part of it. I think rather this is this is a big chunk of how rather than what. The what here is the the opportunity uh, is to is to fix elements of the traditional customer journey that that have been widely acknowledged to be broken. In, in the current buying process, specifically, um, you know, fixing the customer experience around uh, around SNI in a lot of cases can be uh, a massive win for positive customer experience. There's a good argument to be made that it can be positive for dealer principal economics and uh, from retaining uh, the customer from, you know, from an OE perspective, loyalty, you know, moving them through the lineup and maybe you know, uh, through their lifetime, uh, graduating them into you know, successively larger or better, shouldn't say better, a uh, different vehicle, like building that lifetime relationship, um, creating a better customer experience and focusing specifically on um, changing how customers feel through F&I, I believe is, um, is the biggest opportunity. And we would argue that uh, there is a large role for digital transformation in that experience. Let's get you out of here on this one. If the virus comes back with a surge or a second wave or just downright vengeance like we've seen in the U.S., how should the Canadian auto industry react? What's your best advice in dealing with a second wave? It's been difficult in the first wave. We've seen what this virus can do and what the government can do to affect the auto industry. So how do you deal with a second wave? Yeah, so surge, a second wave, or something worse will have material macroeconomic consequences, and, and you know we're not going to opine there. So, so let's focus on some brilliant sure. basics first. So there, there's some obvious operational resilience stuff that you would want to be to be tight on. Certainly, pro, you know, protective actions. So take care, uh, all appropriate measures to protect the health and safety of employees, and then you know, prudent posture on retaining cash, managing cash flow. So that's that's the sort of brilliant basics stuff. My you know, my advice quite directly is, is go back to the fundamental assumptions that underpin your beliefs around mobility and see if they still seem reasonable. Because ultimately, you know, in or post a second wave, should it happen, uh, ultimately the shape of the auto sector on the back of it is, is going to be um, derivative of our broader view on mobility needs. So go back to that first. Then we'd advise uh, that, that, you know, 
we use the word reacting. Reacting is a dangerous space from which to be operating on a, on a sustained basis. It's a default position when we face major uncertainty, so it's natural. Um, and it's, it's exactly what this sort of worst-case scenario would produce. So it's easy for me to say, but the second piece of advice would be get out of react mode and get into response mode. Lastly, we use the word scenario a lot, and Denny's alluded to scenario planning as a very important tool that we would argue is critical for management uh, decision-making uh, in, in this type of situation. So particularly in a second-wave scenario, we believe that scenario planning is a vital tool for decision-makers to deal with uncertainty. So if we find ourselves in this position, we you know, we believe it's worth developing a series of scenarios that they basically serve as a lens through which to interpret future events and consequently guide management decision-making and investment priorities. Excellent. I want to thank both of you for uh, a great conversation. Thank you for joining me on the show. Um, Andrew, Denison, um, great advice. We reached Andrew and Denison in their Toronto home offices. You can read their full report on our website, automotivenews.ca. If you want to be a guest or have a suggestion or simply want to comment on the show, email me at glason at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous shows on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play, or on our website, automotivenews.ca. That does it for this episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. We hope you'll join us next time. So long, everybody.